Our God is a missionary God, and we are His missionary people. You're listening to The Scent Life, the official podcast of the Center for Great Commission Studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. COVID, it's a word and a phrase we've become all too familiar with. But how does it impact church planting? On today's edition of the Scent Life podcast, we're going to be joined by a friend and colleague and a church planter as we explore church planting in the times of COVID. Welcome to another edition of the Scent Life Podcast. I am Greg Mathias, Associate Professor here at Southeastern, also Associate Director in the Center for Great Commission Studies. So glad you have joined us. And today, uh, I don't have my uh, compadre, uh, Scott Hildreth, but I've got another friend uh, and a colleague here, uh, Dr. Matt Rogers. Dr. Matt Rogers, before we hear from him, let you know a little bit about uh, who he is. Uh, He helps us out Uh, in the Center for Great Commission Studies on the North American side of things. He is an assistant professor of North American church planting, but he is also uh, the the lead pastor uh, and really one of the founding members of the church at Cherrydale in Greenville, South Carolina. So Matt, so glad that you're here with us today. Welcome. Yeah, so glad to be here. So I'm a two-time grad of Southeastern, really kind of limped into the seminary community came to faith after the summer after my freshman year in college and uh, within a short time period was on church staff which is kind of the, the common trajectory in the southeast right you, you kind of uh, uh, become a youth pastor at a church pretty quickly and that started about a decade process for me of uh, being a part serving having some gifts affirmed and called out to being able to lead in some mm-hmm. uh, some greater roles but really in some unhealthy church mm. context not really sure what I believed about the church and uh, how to use my gifts. And so we finally kind of as a, as a give up said, uh, let's just go to seminary and try to figure this thing out. Great. And uh, so God in his kindness brought us here. We uh, uh, found mm-hmm. a local church that mm-hmm. we grew to love. And it was in that, uh, in that stream of seminary and local church ministry that God really birthed in us a passion to, to lead and, uh, okay. and plant. And okay. so that's what we've been swinging at for the last 11 years. Yeah. I've been in in Greenville, my wife's a North Greenville grad. We okay. have uh, five kids wow. and uh, uh, lead lead there. Do some work here with the seminary and also work with the Pillar Network, which okay. is a okay. Southern Baptist group of uh, uh-huh. church planting churches, and do some strategy work with them. Wonderful. Again, uh, you and I actually ha- share quite a bit of history, at least uh, connecting here and there. So glad that you were kind of giving up on life and that brought you to seminary. <laughs> yeah, so, right. um, uh, but but really. Why don't we dig in just for a minute there, Matt, so our, our listening audience can get to know you a bit more. But we have a lot of people listening that are either uh, currently church planting, they're church planters, they're part of a core team perhaps, uh, or they're thinking about it. So uh, maybe connect the dots a bit more in your own story, uh, kind of what led to kind of initially you launching out to to get into church planting. Oftentimes we, we hear those stories and it's more of a reaction against something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't think right. that's completely true of your story. So t- 
tie those dots together. How did you get involved in, in finally planting this church, the church at Cherrydale? Yeah, so I would I would trace it to the local church. I was uh, I was a part of a healthy local church. I had pastors that that knew me, that were speaking into mm-hmm. my life, that had seen my gifting, and really, as you said, the the category I had for church planting was uh, the angry youth pastor that went a mile down the street and you know and planted the church, <laughs> right. kind of in reaction to. Mm-hmm. The church they'd experienced and so I, everything in me wanted to to not be that guy okay. right to, to to not plant but but as i as i begin to to understand my gifts and as some external voices begin to speak into those there mm-hmm. was this uh this desire to start i'm a tinkerer by nature so okay. the the ability to uh to build something from scratch and and also um you know, mm. for us we decided to stay in the southeast and uh, primary to that was I wanted to be a part of training and developing future leaders. Okay. So I'd had a decade of ministry that that wasn't true for me. And mm. then coming here to seminary, had a church that took an interest in the next generation of leaders. And so Sarah and I said, hey, if we're going to kind of steward the 30s of our life, let, let's mm. do that in local church in the southeast, in some some fertile soil for young leaders that okay. are putting their hand in there saying, we want to be sent. We want to plant a church. Mm-hmm. We want to uh, pursue pastoral staff in, in some form or fashion. But the on-ramp to that's pretty broken, right. frankly. Yeah, okay. there, there's not a great path to that. And we said, hey, if we can start a healthy church that's also somewhat of an, an aircraft carrier to the nations mm-hmm. that can train yeah. and develop leaders. So we're in, in the intersection of schools like North Greenville University and Anderson University. And just you know, a lot of healthy youth ministries that are producing mm-hmm. Uh, students with a heart for the mission of God, and so we're we're trying to uh, to direct them, hopefully fuel them up, and give them some connectivity to the work mm. that God's doing around mm. the world. No, that's really good. A lot to dig in there. We can't hit all of that right now, but uh, so you said you've been uh, the church at Cherrydale has been around for about eleven years. Uh, so just give us a, a little uh, kind of peek behind the curtain, those early days and seasons. What were some of the maybe specific challenges and then maybe one or two victories in that. Yeah, so we we were intent on uh, planting planting with a heart for reproduction. Okay. So we, we wanted to be a place that trained leaders and uh, kind of you know, use the subway model or McDonald's model is unhealthy, but uh, saying, hey, we, we don't want to just build a big one downtown and expect everybody to drive to it, but we want to put one on every street corner. Okay. And that's kind of been our, our model of mm-hmm. church multiplication is we want to find leaders, develop them, uh, train and equip them and commission them to go start healthy churches on right. on every street corner. Good. And so uh, in terms of wins, we've been able to to be a part of reproducing uh, from a very early stage. We had young leaders that were kind of magnetized to the work oh, and okay. uh, seeing, I think, themselves and some of my story and saying, hey, if we can yeah. be a part of a healthy church that can help us figure out how we're wired and harness that in local church ministry, um, that's that's been something that we've strategically been a part of uh, in the years that that we've been together. We also uh, five years or so in uh, we were in uh, five locations the first five years, uh, elementary school, community college, you know, moving around. And, and as the church grew, we we're trying to figure out, OK, what does long term facility look like? Hmm. Really couldn't get my head around uh, buying property or building right, a building in right. a city like Greenville okay. yeah. with so many unused mm-hmm. or underused facilities. Okay. And so we began to pray that God would give us an opportunity to. Uh, repurpose an existing uh, church facility uh, okay. to, to bring life and renewal to to those congregations. So mm-hmm. uh, swung and missed it that three times. Uh, <laughs> okay. The congregations or uh, conversations with deacon teams and wow. uh, various leaders and learned a lot about myself and a lot about uh, just the nature of those okay. kind of merger type conversations. Mm. But in God's kindness, uh, the fourth one worked. And uh, right. so about halfway in, <laughs> uh, we 
Uh, we merged with an existing congregation that had a facility. And so uh, the first five years was was real church planting work. Right. Uh, the, okay. the, there was a year in the middle that uh, that felt like a middle school dance. Everybody's <laughs> awkward and clumsy and we're all trying to figure each other out. Yeah. And then the, the, the next five have been uh, work in revitalization, bringing congregational unity and then okay. figuring out now that we're somewhat in adolescence or adulthood as a church. How do we become the okay. kind of church that's reproducing on a regular basis? Right, right. No, that's that's really helpful. Uh, again, I, I love it. I, you can even hear it, uh, just the energy you have. So I think you accomplish 100 things when I get 10 done. So I appreciate that about you. But, but even in that story of just the different seasons, mm. Uh, of church planting. And, and in just a little bit, I want to talk a little bit about the current season yeah. we're in as it relates to church planting, of course, uh, this idea of COVID or the pandemic. Uh, but before I get there, you talk through, uh, hey, we tried some things three times, fourth time worked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in those seasons uh, where you're trying things and and it's not quite working, tell me a little bit more uh, about you as you're, you have this vision. Hey, I want to plant this church. I'm, uh, we want to be... Uh, strategic we want to raise people up reproduce them how are you keeping kind of that vision fresh in your own mind and heart and life uh, and then how are you continuing to push forward as you face those challenges like what what kind of kept you going yeah i think i think having some sense of of conviction with uh, with calling and with purpose at the outset like th- this is this is fundamental to to who i understand the church to be and mm-hmm. what what i understand us to be about i use a parallel illustration okay. so we we came, uh, Sarah and I have been married 17 years. We had um, uh, not the best premarital process, you know, okay. yeah. uh, the, yeah. the counseling wasn't the best. Okay. And so then we took marriage and family here at Southeastern oh, wow. and about halfway through, I'm like, hey, babe, you got to start going with me to class because okay. this is like the premarital we should have had. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so kind of fundamental in that class, God, mm. brought, hey, if you're. If you're ever doing premarital counseling, mm. like this is the kind of stuff you need to be downloading. So that that sense of clarity of calling and conviction, mm. okay, uh, that that has been sustained as I look back on the major junctures of you know, right. transition for me. I would say like that marriage and family class was formative wow. uh, for wow. me and for Fantastic. who I am. And so in a very similar fashion, I think that the training, the residency internship process. That, that really was life altering for me. Like that gets in your bones and yeah, you're like, yeah. okay, I'm convinced of this, okay. deeply convinced of that. Mm. I think the other thing that's that's worth mentioning is is we we attempted to plant as a team. And mm. so okay. uh, having some, some leaders around us, both in terms of other pastoral leaders, but also uh, really working towards a healthy church, meaningful church membership, where the mm. people that were a part of a core team were really committed to that shared vision. Okay. So like in a marriage process, like right. when I'm low and like, man, we're going to cash this thing <laughs> in. Like I, I am not having another meeting with a deacon team yeah. about a merger conversation <laughs> that's going berserko. Um, there's other people around saying, no, this is worth it. Wow. And like, okay. this is why it's worth it. So even in my sense of calling, just that, that internal compulsion mm. uh, matched with this external yeah, yeah, uh, clarity and conviction from others who are around you. Yeah, no, that's that's really helpful. And and I like that because oftentimes in, in conversations about church planting, and I don't think we do it intentionally, we focus kind of on the individual, the Absolutely. church planter. Yes. Uh, and there's some good reasons for yeah. that, but I like how you're describing that it's clearly you have to have this sense of calling, mm. Uh, how you put it, this compulsion, this vision, 
but it but it's also this team or this web around you externally you know it's it's those in other local churches uh, that that affirm things in you it's those that keep you sane when things are going insane around you and for you you know even in your home uh, of just having your family on board with mm-hmm. that and so having all those things and I think that's an encouragement to church planters that it's it's not a solo effort uh, and the goal isn't for you to get to the point of a church it's for together the church body coming and maybe seeing something new planted sure. or birth yeah. so yeah. I appreciate that yeah. I think that's good so uh, so in just a minute I want to come back we're going to take a break in just a moment here uh, and when we come back we talk some a little bit about your story Matt uh, I think our listeners are getting a good idea of who you are and uh, and I'm so grateful for all the uh, the wisdom uh, that you bring into this area of church planting and and you've talked about these seasons well all churches, whether you're a church plant, whether you're more or less a traditional church, and I know in your area, particularly in South Carolina, there uh, you see all types of churches. We're all in this pandemic or this COVID season, and so when we come back from break, I want to talk a little more specifically about just the impact uh, that COVID has had on church plants, whether you're in infancy, you're an adolescent, or it's been years and years since you've thought about that. All right, so let's take a break. So thank you again for listening to the Scent Life podcast. Uh, We have a lot of partners uh, that come alongside of us, and we want to highlight them uh, on each and every episode. One of those I would encourage you is NAM, the North American Mission Board. Uh, As we talk about things like church planting, I would encourage you uh, to look them up. uh, Southern Baptist uh, partner, go online to nam.net. And it's not just church planting. If you're interested in compassion ministries, uh, if you're interested in chaplaincy, If you are just simply interested in finding out what's happening across this nation, go to nam.net. You can find out how to pray. You can find out how to be involved and perhaps even go through a process to figure out, should I be involved in something like Church Planter? And we're not the only podcast around. They have a great podcast called Stories of Hope. I would encourage you to tune into that. So nam.net, North American Mission Board, look them up. Before our break, uh, we've been talking with uh, Matt Rogers, who not only is connected here at Southeastern as a professor of North American church planting, he's also uh, one of the, uh, well, the church planter and and pastor of the church at Cherrydale, uh, now in its 11th year. Uh, And so what we're talking about now, Matt, is I want to talk more about the current time in which we find ourselves, this pandemic, the time of COVID. How has that impacted or maybe uh, had you shift a little bit? Uh, thinking about church planting, the church at Cherrydale, you consult a lot of church planters. Uh, just talk to us a little bit about the impact of COVID. Yeah, so let me speak to maybe some some general categories that I observe, some of these being in, in my own story in our own congregational life, but some of these in conversations with other pastors as, as you discuss. And just to, to say at the outset, so much of this is a contextual reality, okay. right? So if you're, if you're planting and 
uh, in in Miami versus what you're doing in a rural place in South Carolina. The conversation is radically different. Right. I think we have to affirm that at the outset. I agree. But I think there are some some things, some general categories that that this season. Uh, has been an aid uh, for us, or at least fostered some some developing thought that okay. I think is encouraging. Because the the original impulse, right, is just paralysis. Where it's crisis <laughs> management. Right. How, how do we how do we stabilize what we have in front of us? Mm-hmm. Uh, what what does it look like for us to gather? How do we do Zoom? Mm-hmm. For those of us that you know, mid sized congregations that didn't have an online apparatus already established, right. those first yeah. few weeks were scramble. just scramble, pure mm-hmm. scramble. Uh, but as you've gotten your head in the game, the things that I've seen that that have produced some some help for church planting conversations, one would be, uh, I think there's a tendency in many of our North America uh, church planting efforts uh, for us to run after healthy church gathering in such a way that bypasses the pioneering work of evangelism. Mm. And so what we're doing is planting with uh, already converted people in a place that okay. are looking for a certain style, certain paradigm of church. And so mm. we put that into place and we start the Sunday thing and people show up who are already predisposed to uh, the church or to the gospel. Um, One of the things that we've seen in our place is, uh, is one more margin for evangelism Mm. uh, among our people and two more openness for Mm. conversation. Uh, The walk around the neighborhood that uh, the uh, how are things going conversation uh, say nine months ago, just sounds a lot different today than (laughs) it did then. Right. And so uh, there's really no one, if we use three circles paradigm for evangelism, there's no one that's arguing with the brokenness circle mm-hmm, right now, mm-hmm, right? Right. Now, we're all arguing with what the answer is to get out of brokenness, yeah. but nobody's uh, nobody's arguing with that fundamental brokenness. So the ease with which we can get into evangelism conversations, uh, the degree to which we've been able to maintain those, I think has been helpful. And I think our church planting work can leverage that. Um, uh, going forward in a way that that does plant churches more out of the harvest than simply planting out of predisposed hmm. uh, believers no, that's, uh, in, that's in a good. place. Another thing that I think is uh, this season is uh, is redefining or helping us think through in, in church planting work is is it shifting our metrics? Hmm. So. Uh, think again the conversation of nine months ago you know how many people did you have Uh, those Uh, uh, those definitions of pastoral success or church planting success they just sound really different today than they did as recently as nine months ago Hmm. and for many what that's done is created the ability to breathe a little bit to not to not feel this breakneck pressure to Mm. to have to produce kind of quote fingers produce by how many people show up on a sunday and it's provided some arena for r&d and church planting work right that frankly when you have the metrics of how many people showed up every sunday and did we kind of one up ourselves this sunday versus last sunday there's not the margin to say hey what if we tinker with this or what if we don't do this at all and so i'm seeing more Churches and pastors of all shapes and sizes, even established churches that are now having some margin to go back to the drawing board and say, you know, that thing that we were always Mm -hmm, thinking mm -hmm. about that might have moved the needle on reproduction now that kind of our programs are streamlined. Mm. What could we do to envision uh, this moving forward? Now, that's broad sweeping generalization. Obviously, you've got pastors that are saying we got to do everything we can to get back to what we once had as quickly as possible. But I think those that are doing it in a healthy way are okay. saying, let's use this season 
to recalibrate and okay. maybe do some R&D in yeah. areas that uh -huh. uh, yeah. maybe we were scared to fail mm -hmm. when the metrics were so front and center. Okay. Then I'll mention one more and you can yeah. press into yeah. any of this that you want yeah, to. Yeah, no, it's a lot. Yeah. The other thing that I think we're seeing is an ability to, or we're, we're seeing uh, leaders rise to the service that we might not otherwise have noticed. And so uh, okay. uh, the conversations with church planting have over the last several years pointed out that the, the, the proverbial pond to fish in right. for church planting leaders has dried up. Okay. So we okay. fished out of the pond of ang angsty youth pastors and people <laughs> that were on the church staff and they just wanted to do something different and they planted churches. And now getting leaders, particularly leaders that would say, like, I want to lead a church planting right. initiative. Yep. Uh, it seems uh, fewer and far between. Mm -hmm. I think what COVID is, is allowing us to see are scrappy leaders uh, that are that are able to kind of run a play when, when they don't actually know what they should be doing. Right. They're just able to create. And uh, many of our churches are saying, oh, it, like that couple in their neighborhood, mm. like they're doing something unique to make sure that that all those around them have repeated opportunity to see here and respond right, to right. the good news of Jesus. Okay. And like, we would never have identified them as church planters because mm -hmm. they wouldn't have showed up at like our yeah. residency training. But the work they're doing is church planting in its orientation. Okay. Okay. And my, my prayer would be that the next crop of, of right. really, yeah, the, the next crop of leaders that we get behind are going to be those that have identified mm. themselves by their fruit during this season uh, yeah, and yeah, not wow. merely by like, hey, put my hand in the air. I want to be right, a church planter. Right. No, that's really good. Uh, that that I, idea of identification and this new crop, I think that probably we could explore all yeah. on its own. And we may do that in a future uh, uh, podcast. But let me, a couple quick things. One comment, uh, you mentioned something right at the beginning just in case some folks aren't as familiar with it. Three Circles, yeah. uh, it's a great thing. You can even Google that, Three Circles, or look at Life on Mission. Mm -hmm. Just a really simple tool uh, to share the gospel through using three circles or images and this idea of, of brokenness and how do we get back to that which God has created us for. And so I think that's a great way to do it. The one thing you said, and I like it, but I just want to just want to have the real conversation. You talk about this idea of metrics. Mm -hmm. So this gives us some time to maybe do some research and design, some, some rethinking something because metrics are different. But in the church planning realm, and you've been there, but there's still that metric of, well, we do need to get people to show up. Sure. Uh, we need to get people to view online. And so are you kind of saying we're moving past that? Because I think a lot of church planters might say, I'm really scrambling now because I don't know how to gather people. Yeah, I don't think I don't think we'll, we ever move past the fact that 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 people matter. Right. And right. so in, in the sense that uh, the people that I'm discipling, the people that are gathering that call this church their community, th those things do matter. Yeah. What I think, uh, what I think unnecessarily happens is the metrics become front and center for yeah. us, and in many ways uh, bypass the legitimacy of the. Mm. Hey, am I am I in meaningful relationship with people that that are far from God but close to me? Right. right. And, and so, if as a pastor or as a church planter. I can't like name the people who are yeah. who are far from God but close to me. Mm. Then 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 I may be doing like church planting entrepreneurship, mm. but I, but I'm not really doing the work of evangelism and mission right, right. in that. And I think uh, this season is giving us a sense of of redefining. Mm -hmm. Okay, maybe the metric is is something like 
uh, the number of relationships that I okay. can identify, you know, that, that I'm building and that I'm cultivating, the, the opportunities that, that we're able in our home to, to show hospitality mm. to, to the people, the, the people that are coming to me for uh, help and conversation right. and prayer, the, the non-believers that are reaching out via text message when something goes wrong yeah, and yeah. saying, hey, we're not real sure about this God right. thing, but if prayer works, would you pray for yeah, us? Yeah. Right. Okay, so that to me, is that a metric? Yes. I mean, yeah, is that something is, yeah. that you can track? But it's it's a different I metric see. than yeah. merely merely who shows up on right. Sunday. But yeah. that being said, you we can't discount the fact that, that who shows up on a Sunday matters, right? right? right. And uh, critical mass matters and stability matters. And there are these financial realities that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that are shaping the conversation. And, and I think what, what we've got to be aware of in this season is that, uh, that all of that is going to shift. I don't think Correct, we're sure yeah. exactly how yeah, all that's no, going to fair. shift. No. And uh, the, the, the churches that were in the midst of that, let's say they were gathering in a public school and they had, right. you know, a group of 50 kind of, people and a lot of those were kind of hovering on the periphery right. and now they're not really sure yep. who's there or who's not this is like mission critical season for no, them that's right, right? That's that, right. this really and so if you're listening to the podcast and and I'll say like hey if you're if you're a church that sent one mm-hmm. of those individuals or you're somebody that knows somebody like reaching out to those individuals being a means of encouragement mm-hmm. being so a cool. means of care praying on their behalf like th- this is a this is a really difficult mm. season to weather. I think the back result is going to be new churches that come that 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 say, "Hey, the the metrics that we were running pre-COVID are right. are, are just going to be different yeah. than what we yeah. find on the other side." No, that's really helpful. I mean, really, we're we're six months into this uh, kind of new normal, and we don't even know what normal is or what it will be uh, in all areas, even even church planting. And I appreciate uh, that shift a bit in metrics. Again, not that it's unimportant of maybe who gathers, whatever that looks like right now, or who, who, who comes and views when you have a service. But, but that's more of a window and not necessarily the goal, yeah. but it's a window on hopefully what you said. It, it's about people, but it's about those relational connections. Yeah. And again, I, I really like that as well. Even in a place like the Southeast, as, uh, as some writers have talked about, kind of the Southeast being the South being Christ haunted. And so mm-hmm. there's these categories mm-hmm. But we still, people are far from God, and those are the people in church planning, getting back to evangelism and discipleship. So I appreciate that. One thing, just as we end our conversation today, because you're in the thick of it in terms of church planting, uh, you're you're coming alongside uh, teams and and church planters. You mentioned some are displaced right now, and they're not sure what that's going to look like. So just maybe as you think about what kind of hope or what kind of thing kind of piece of advice could you give to the church planter who is now six months into this thing they don't know what it looks like moving forward uh, you spoke to those who sent them out but uh, and and we don't know the future but but Matt what would you say what uh, what's something you could say hey right now this is something they can do that might get them through the next week the next month and who knows the next season yeah so we started the conversation talking around this like internal clarity and then yeah. external confirmation and I think um, not not feeling this breakneck pace to have to have an answer tomorrow mm. to uh, how we're going to address this, how we're going to put the pieces of the church back together, or how we're going to run after the original vision of whatever the church plant is. But returning back mm. to some of that original, what what did you what got you in this game in the first place? If we can speak that right, that, uh, 
colloquially, um, why did you sign up in the first mm. place? Um, and, and if it was um, some of the more church planting entrepreneurship, then uh, that's going to be short-lived in this season yeah. because we're not going to get back there quickly. Yeah. But if it is really this white-hot passion that mm. people would see and respond to the good news of Jesus and Amen. be connected and cared for in healthy local church, like I think that can weather, uh, yeah. uh, that, that, that perseveres mm-hmm. an individual. Mm-hmm. And then I think that, that external clarity, that th- there are people in your life that know you, that love you, that are speaking into. So I, I think the drive to be professional church planter, the d- drive to have the flashy performance and to know all the answers and have your prospectus mm. polished and you know right. be financially supporting by year two. One of the prayers I would have is that that we can kind of all own mm. our shared brokenness in this moment yeah. and say, like, I need people. Right. Uh, I need to reach out mm. to, the, to that brother who's planting in another place or that mentor and invite prayer, maybe still myself before mm. them, be comfortable uh, taking some breaks, right. like resting Sabbath, some of those mm. those kind of rhythms that uh, that rejuvenate the soul. That, yeah. I, and, and then just pointing to like just good theology yeah. i mean frankly yeah. like yeah. that that uh that that god is providentially aware mm-hmm. of what's happening none of this catches him off guard and and in his good providence like if you're a planter and you're six months in like there's no accident from god right wow. he he's yeah. he's put you here in this moment and there's something unique and this is kind of where i'm i'm hoping for the mm-hmm. church there the uh church and in, in seasons of marginalization church and seasons of crisis church and seasons of persecution mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. there's something unique that happens among the right. people of god that frankly i've not experienced uh i've only read about from right. a distance but i think th- there's something that the american church hasn't seen or experienced that perhaps we're going to be ushered into okay. and it's going to be hard and yeah. it's going to be challenging but if history speaks to those realities, it's also going to be for our good. Mm. And so I think there's a lot we can look forward to, okay. even if we don't understand all of what's yeah. going to come. No, very, very helpful, challenging, and even convicting at certain points. Matt, thank you so much for joining us today, uh, telling us a little bit about your story, uh, but also giving some hope and encouragement to those really in the thick of it, in the thick of church planting. Uh, let me pray for you. Uh, pray for your ministry and others as well. Uh, so let's pray. Father God, we do come before you, and just as we were reminded uh, that all that is happening in and around us ultimately uh, is for for our good and to your glory, Lord. doesn't mean that all things are happy, all things are easy, even the times we find ourselves today. Lord, we do want to pray for Matt. We want to pray for his family. Uh, we want to pray for uh, their leaders and their uh, there are people at the church at Cherrydale, Lord. Would you sustain them even in this season, Lord God? Uh, I pray for them and others uh, who are in the midst of church planting and making decisions and trying to figure out what is best for uh, their people and the community, Lord, that there would be grace upon grace, uh, Father God. Uh, I pray as well, just as we were challenged today, uh, Lord, that it wouldn't simply be about Um, certain metrics, but it would really be about reaching people where they are, Lord, of serving them in their times of need, of of speaking the gospel clearly to them. And Lord, through the power of your spirit, that uh, even in this time, we would see men and women and families say yes to Jesus and then begin to be gathered together in a community so that they could understand that commitment and they could speak to others around them. And so God, uh, be with those, uh, whether they are in a a brand new church plant, a, a 
a teenager church plant or they've been a church in the community for years and years, Lord, that we do pray uh, that you would uh, allow the church to be a kingdom tool even in these times. And so we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. So Matt, again, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Scent Life podcast because we need to be reminded day in and day out that we have a missionary God and we are his missionary people.